0: My name is Bear and welcome to Just Fucking Win on Saturday at three, where myself and the guys will be looking ahead to Rangers' game against Livingston at the Tony Macaroni Arena um, on Saturday at three, um, which is a very bizarre, um, a, a bizarre occurrence that we're going to be playing on Saturday at three away from home, and it's non televised So I'm sure myself and the guys will be discussing that as well. Joining me to do that, well, first of all, is Eddie. Eddie, how you doing, mate? Evening, I'm good, thanks. Or afternoon, or morning, or whenever it is you're listening to us. Um, And joining Eddie and I is Kenny. Kenny, how are you, mate?
1: I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm not too bad, I'm not too bad. Um, As you guys will know, can I pull the curtain back a wee bit? I was actually prepared to be... um, discussing the party official game it shows you how much I've got my kind of finger on the pulse at the moment Uh, obviously busy with uni and all sorts of different stuff so I had an action packed show lined up but obviously Andrew and Dave covered that Um, and we will be discussing the game against Livingston as I said I do want to discuss a wee bit about the kind of Malik Tillman incident, the the kind of backlash or the fallout from that uh, we'll come to that towards the end, but as I said the the main subject will be Livingston, so Kenny we're playing them, uh, as I said um, Saturday at 3, which is good for us, Uh, however what's going on in Scottish football at the moment, because this is a game that could easily obviously be penciled in for 12 on Saturday or 12 on Sunday on TV, we know that Sky aren't Taking up the full quota again, so this will be the third consecutive year where they've not taken up the full quota of games that they're meant to televise. Um, and yet, we're, we're playing Livingston. And, and by the way, I know this will sound like a moan to everybody's listening. It's not a moan; it's more of a general um, query as to what is going on in the government, the governance of our game, because obviously we are getting shortchanged uh, with this television deal, and this is certainly a game that is a prime candidate for, for for a televised um fixture because i'm just looking at now on saturday all games kick off at three so the traditionalist will say that's a good thing okay that's fine but my point is there's no televised games on saturday so our game could easily be the 12 o'clock kickoff and on the tv which is not the sunday um there is a televised game on a sunday it's motherwell versus hearts at fourth park at 12 o'clock so the, the the fixture itself didn't have to be moved to a different day. All it had to all it had to be done there was just rearrange the time, which I don't think would have caused much uh, hassle because obviously Rangers fans are pretty used to twelve o'clock kickoffs. So all we really had to do there was move it to twelve, put it on TV, and then there's one game towards that quarter. But instead, nothing has happened. Kenny, what, what do you think's going on here? Because there's, there's clearly some disconnect between Sky and the uh, SPFL.
1: Uh, yeah, yes, there is. But uh, again, I, I, what is going on? I, I actually don't know because this is what has been tra- this traditionally over the last few years a, a potential banana skin for both Rangers and Celtic, isn't it? So, uh, wh- why it's not on the television? I don't quite know why it's on it Saturday at three o'clock, the conventional time for a game of football is, is ideal for away traveling, you know, traveling away supporters, but. I have no idea what is going on in the game anymore. I, 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 has there been a situation, perhaps, where I think it's only four games per stadium that they're allowed? Have they already you kind know, of eaten up most of their quota or whatever? I don't. I don't know uh, what's going on in the game in terms of the TV deals. Um, it, it's just beginning to on me actually. Um, that's a game I would have sat on a Sunday, actually, more than anything else, and expected that to be half-twelves on a Sunday. Um, why they've not chosen it this weekend and chosen Motherwell v Hearts is probably down to the fact that they've got to have X amount of games from each stadium. They're probably not use for Park uh, very often. They've probably just got to fill that in. Uh, but yet again, I would say that uh, supporters have been treated with with... A, with huge contempt with Sky, and I'm kind of sick of it. Um, I, I don't do IPTV or anything like that, so um I'm subscribing all the time, and you're sitting there thinking, well, this is just a nonsense. That's a big, you know, a, a, an important game in the, in the league for us, and it's not on, well, meanwhile, you'll get your average, you know, random game put on, to suit. I, I just don't understand it. I don't understand any of it anymore with what's going on with the SPFL, Chris. I really don't. Eddie,
0: the, the thing is, Livingston's not a difficult location to get to. Obviously, it's in the kind of east of Scotland um, and it's the, the, the transport links are, are there and obviously the, the, the motorway, a direct link to the stadium is there as well, so it's not a difficult venue to get to, even if it was 12 o'clock, but you just know for a fact that at some point between now and the end of the season, either Rangers... Or indeed Celtic because it always seems to be the old fun fans that get shafted with us are gonna to have to go up to Dingwall at either twelve on a Sunday or quarter to eight on a Friday. There's just no logic here at all, is there?
2: No, it's utterly ridiculous. It's a like like you've said and like Kenny said, it's a tailor made game for the sky coverage and for whatever reason the sky just I don't know, they almost it's almost as if they bought the rights to Scottish football to spite BT rather than to gain the rights to Scottish football, because the the coverage that they're providing is atrocious. If it's not starting coverage 10 minutes before kickoff or ending right at full time, it's not picking up games when we've got a full quarter of games going on. It, it's just ridiculous. And like you say, you can guarantee over the coming months, there'll be one where one of us is sent up to Aberdeen or sent up to Ross County on a Friday night or a Sunday morning, like 12 o'clock kick off and it's just it doesn't make any sense and and like there might be an argument there that they want to show a game that isn't one of the old firm playing so hearts more well fine but let's be honest the viewership numbers are not going to be anywhere comparable so from even from a business standpoint it doesn't make much sense but we are where we are and the people that run our game seem to think this was an appropriate deal to take so the rest of us just have to deal with it
0: yeah and you know i have to say like the 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 issue isn't obviously the Mullerwell Hearts game for me being on. it's the fact that it's on on the Sunday and this game's on the Saturday. Why not have the two games? It's almost as if Sky are like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well no putting two games on over the weekend, you mad. Um which as you said is just quite ridiculous. Like last weekend, uh, uh not even last weekend, last night I watched the 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 Merseyside Derby and um the coverage before it, you're talking 90 minutes before it, you're talking 90 minutes after it, with 90 minutes in between, obviously, the game. And we, we can only dream of a day like that for, for Scottish football, even in Old fun games. As you say, Eddie, it's pretty much half an hour before kick-off and then 20 minutes after kick-off and then they're off air again. That's even with an Old film game. So, um, Kenny, to your point, I'm just treated with utter contempt and uh, I have absolutely no idea why. In fact, I do, I do. And I do know why the SVFL are... Putting up weight, it's because money talks, and and that's literally the only reason why. But look, we'll move on. Let's just discuss Livy.
1: Well, can I just say something very quickly? You're talking about the Liverpool Everton game there. How much a Liverpool and Everton fans paying for the Sky subscription, Chris? Is it the same as us? Exactly, exactly.
0: That's
1: that's what's calling me about it. It's an absolute joke. It really is. Um, I'm I'm just kind of sick of them. I really am. But- yeah. Um, no,
0: you're you're absolutely right though. Um, the exact same amount of money as as fans down south and we're, we're not getting the same sort of the same sort of deal at all um but no it's as i say it's you know the the powers that be at the spfl they're getting their king's ransom so they're not they're not too bothered and the, the thing that this is for a wider discussion i think at some point down the line but we uh as clubs and in, in scotland have the the power to to veto these deals you know we we can say no but the desperation and the need for the the cash is such that we don't and again it's just completely it's completely not given a toss about what their fan base want um, and that's not a dig at Rangers by the way because I know Rangers are trying to you know champion change it's the other clubs like Livingston who by the way I don't. Hold a grudge against because I understand the financial need for the money is there, and when you're when you're getting guaranteed cash that that Sky are offering, which isn't even that much when you consider what other teams around Europe are getting or, or what other countries around Europe are getting, it's a pretty desperate um you know event uh to to, to be in. But as I say, it's it's probably a wider discussion for another time, and, and I'm sure we will will be discussing it at some point down the pipeline. But as I say, let's just discuss Livingston at the moment. Now, they're fourth in the league, um, which is pretty remarkable for Livingston. Now, they've obviously, it's well documented, done the the bottom three for budgets, so they they don't pay as as much as the other clubs in the SPFL, or or the Scottish Premiership, sorry. So for them to be fourth is just quite, frankly, outstanding. Uh, David Martindale, the, the manager, is really making a lot of clubs look very foolish, like Aberdeen and Hibs. To a certain extent, even kind of model obviously budget-wise, um, they do pay more. Um, so the, the job he is doing is just absolutely remarkable. And it seems to, it seems to be, a day. every year he's just getting better and better, both as a manager and as a club, uh, Livingston um, and and Martindale, that is.
2: Yeah, he's doing a really impressive job. And um, that's even with his assistant manager now. Gone elsewhere. Um, I think he took over a, a job at one of the lower teams, didn't he? Um, but you know, We're in the south, did Aye, there's one. Um, but I, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Martindale and what what he's achieved. Um, and I I think he deserves all the credit and all the plaudits that go his way for for what he's done in football. Um, I'm not going to go into the the whole backstory of his past. Everybody's well versed in it. But to, he's a shining example of one mistake you can't let one mistake define you and let that rule the rest of your life. He made a mistake, he paid his time and then he's built himself a very, very impressive and strong career in football. And he's he's a lovely guy as well. Um, listeners of the show know we've had him on Whose Team Is It Anyway? in season one and he was very gracious coming on and he's just an all-round nice guy, Um, kind of guy that you want to see succeed. Uh, and for me, it's very... Uh, enjoyable to see someone succeed after they've made a mistake in their life because it could easily go one or two ways of you know they could let that define them for the rest of their life and just you know just repeat the same mistakes over and over again but he came out and said no I'm going to make something of myself and he started at the bottom and worked his way to the top of the current club that he's at and I'm sure he'll probably go on and do more at somewhere else eventually and um, so it's a, it's just I don't begrudge him whenever he gets a good result but obviously um, I'll be hoping that Saturday isn't a very enjoyable day for him.
0: Kenny, obviously, Livingston. Uh, Livingston's success is built upon a methodology that is not unique to Scottish football, but it's it's not exactly a shining light of positivity on Scottish football. Very compact, um, hard to break down, and as as well documented, a plastic pitch. Now that. Eddie just said some very nice things about David Martindale there and, and, and I agree probably in the entirety of what he said but this is no criticism of David Martindale he's playing to his strengths so, and he's getting the absolute maximum out of this, this squad, out of his club so I'm not going to sit here and have a go at his style of play I'm not going to sit here and have a go at the pitch what I'm going to say is it's going to be a very tough afternoon and that's what we have to do we have to break them down in a very difficult pitch and as we've seen at Ibrox earlier in the season in fact as we've seen at the tony macaroni arena at the, the first game of the season if we play into their hands it's almost a walk in the park to livingston because they will head balls out of that box all day long so our game plan has to absolutely be set up to counteract the strengths of Livingston and the way to do that, and this is this is the thing that's really really frustrated me about Rangers since since Steven Gerrard came in, and obviously up to current uh, present day under Michael Beal, because I, I don't count the Murty, Kiksinya Warburton years as years where we should have been competing anyway, because obviously look back then we were nowhere near competing, but since Gerrard came in we've had a we've had a squad of players that's been able to compete for honours, let's just say, and the one thing that we've always done under Gerard, under Gio, Maybe so no maybe so much not under Beale. And this is Beale's opportunity to really show us that he is different from the from the latter two. But the one thing that we've always done is play to the strengths of these teams who like to play a very compact low block where heading the ball and clearing the ball from their box is their strengths. And we always play into their hands. Well for me, the solution is play football, play through them, keep the ball on the ground you will clearly prove that you are better than the opposition. There's a reason you play for Rangers. And with all due respect, there's a reason they play with Livingston. And if you play football, you will open them up, you will score, and you will win the game. But it very, very rarely happens. And we always seem to fall into a trap of playing into their hands. And that's what worries me about these kind of games. As I say, Michael Beale is get the opportunity to go against the grain, which I hope he does. But I'm telling you right now, I'm I'm worried, Kenny, because this is a notoriously difficult game uh, for as as you say, Kenny, for both sides of the
1: open. Look, Chris, make no mistake about it. David Martindale, Martindale, will use the pitch to you know to their advantage. They're used to it. Uh, he will sit in. He will try and hit us on the break. Um, I think he'll have more of a go than a number of teams normally do, though. To be fair to them. Um, but the, the issue I have with us at the minute. Is regardless to who it's been with, uh, management wise, you know, whether it's been Bill, Geo, or Stephen Gerrard, um, we can get bogged down and play exa- exactly what you were saying, play exactly the game that they want us to play. The the difference that w- what we have to do here, and I think Michael Bale is fully aware of this, I think that's why he's brought Cantwell and and Raskin, and uh, you know, as his two priority signings in January. Is he wants pace, right? And it's not just pace, as in you know run run quick. It's the speed of mind. It's the speed of pass. We if we can do that, then we will dispatch these teams uh, with uh, well a lot easier than than we have done over the over the period. But apart from the, the the year that we won the league. Now the the issue I have again with that uh, is we've seen it on uh, Sunday. Uh, in the first half, we were so slow, so laboured, uh, and it gets to the point when you actually start to think, I, I don't think it's the managers. I think there's something within that squad, within that group of players that turn up thinking, we're better than Livingston or we're better than Partick Thistle. And they, for want of a better way of putting it, they kind of dodder about, wasting time a lot of the time. Um even with we've mentioned this prior in uh another podcast but even the the ability to take a quick throw in or a quick three three kick or a quick uh you know corner kick or anything we just don't seem to do it the only one that ever seems to want to do that is our goalkeeper i don't know if you've ever noticed that um we have to be quicker uh and i'm expect I do actually expect us after sunday's game to come out and be a bit more at it because We do have the knowledge, as a a group of players, I'm talking about those players, uh, that this is a tough venue and you have to go and be utterly committed to get a result there. So here's hoping.
0: Absolutely. Eddie, one thing that I think actually won't help Rangers um, get into this game is the fact that in Livingston's previous match they were defeated 3-0 by Inverness at the Tony Macaroni in the Scottish Cup and David Martindale was absolutely raging about it. Now ordinarily when you're coming up against a team that's just been put out by a team um, in a division below you're thinking right this is the best time to get them because they'll be vulnerable and they'll be you know licking their wounds a wee bit. And we can capitalise on that. But because it's Livingston, because it's Martindale, you know that these players are going to want to have a reaction for their manager. So that could play it, um kinda of against us a little bit. Does that worry you that they've got something not to prove but that they've got some making up to do for for
2: Martindale? Just before I address that, I'm just gonna address a point that Kenny raised. Um trust me, Kenny, Chris has noticed how long it takes us to take throw ins. I can I can just <laughs> address that right away. Oh, it's good.
1: incredible at times, I noticed it in the first half on Sunday, taking a mi- almost a minute to take a throw in,
2: speed this it is up. To, this is going to sound like a moan, but me and Chris do whinge about that nearly every game we sit together. We'll, um, as well, as Kennedy, we'll get a throw in uh, just
0: you 10-15 know, yards from the corner, the corner flag, so you're kind of there uh, almost at the opposition's box. And, I don't know, just a random player. Ryan Jack will have the ball ready to fling it. And Tav's up at the right back area, jogging, telling him to drop the ball so he can then jog up. No urgency. He'll jog up. He'll pick the ball. He'll walk back to have a long throw. He'll then walk to the throw and... uh, the front line again to then position the players to go
1: here, there, everywhere and then you find the fucking ball and you're just like yeah and there's three or four players pointing their fingers about where every, everybody's got to be it? it's not off the cuff it's, yeah. and it's really obvious it's not off the cuff yeah. and, where is and it? if we can see that then obviously opposition yeah. managers and players can see it it's mind-boggling actually and, and, and,
0: the, and the the point here is, again, it's just a random player. It's not any specific player. But if Ryan Jack's at the ball there at that time, he flings the ball into Morello, so you go. That's a quick transition and, and there's confusion. The other team's not set up. The other team's not ready. Um, anything can happen. Whereas the, the, the tactic of Tav jogging from the right back area or even Barisic from the left back area if it's in the left-hand side of the pitch, that gives teams time to regroup, organise and pick their men up. And it's just like... Honestly, I'm getting grey hair at a rapid rate, and I think that this season, watching that, and it's not just been this season, but this season, it's been more obvious to me. Um, I think that's no help. I, I'm becoming older than I actually am, and, and and Eddie's absolutely right. Me and him are always just spitting fires at it, we are just shouting and bawling, and people are always going, "Can the fuck? They're not winning 0 but it's like no, you know, it's it's just those we what would what, you call it? Marginal gains goes a long way, um, but. Yeah. I- Totally agree with you, but... uh, Sorry,
2: Eddie. Hi, um, I forgot the question. Oh, the bounce back from (laughs) defeat against Cali. Look, yeah, normally teams will um, look for a bounce back once they've been beaten by a lower league team, but sometimes that's just where they are at that moment in time. Um, Look at Aberdeen, although that's an extreme example, but look at them when they lost to Dargal. They were then hopeless the next game when you would have expected them to have bounced back. But I suppose the completely different cases, because... Um, their manager had lost the, the dressing room, whereas at Livingston, obviously, they, they, they'll run through brick walls for Martindale. But I'm still not concerned. Um, I mean, I go into every game assuming we should win, and I don't think that will ever change. I'll always have that assumption of we should win every game, apart from, like, you're obvious when you come up against the bigger teams in the Champions League, then I sometimes think we might draw. But <clears throat> I more or less assume We're going to win every game. And I I would say that this isn't a game we should be overly fearful of. We have to be smart and have to understand what we're up against, a team that is wounded after their last game and up up against an awful pitch where the ball just seems to have a mind of its own because of the surface of the pitch. But ultimately, I think the team that we have should be outplaying a team like Livingston every day of the week. And that's not meant in any offence to Livingston. They're doing a fine job this season, but ultimately the gap between the two clubs and the resources should see us more than capable of putting away a Livingston every single day of the week. And, you know, I, I think this team are building towards another good display. I mean, Hearts was excellent away from home. We've had a couple of not-so-great games following it, but I, I do think we're we're there, we're pushing there to, to get more consistent, good performances. And I'm actually quite excited to see how they handle the game on Saturday against Livingston and see if we can push on another step forward. And, you know, it's the old cliche of taking each game as it comes. But I genuinely think at the moment we're in that position of we're getting the results. We're not always getting the performances, but I'm not that concerned. And the performances I do think will come. And and I can certainly see Saturday being one of them games where the team go out and put in a really good performance, especially now that Raskin and uh, Campbell is starting to play a bit more I mean, I know we'll touch on it in a minute, but I thought Raskin was phenomenal against Park Fistle. I know it's only Park Fistle, but I I just thought he was great in his first kind of proper um, game for us. So, yeah, there is that. Kenny, the
0: Livingston um, really don't have individuals, it's more of a team. But if you were to pick out one individual that could cause us issues, on Saturday, I would certainly pick out Joel Noobly. Um I think the two games that he's played against us, he's been absolutely fantastic. I really have to say that. The the opening game of the season, um, away to Levenston, I thought he was the best player in the park. And then at Ibrox, he obviously got that very early goal after three minutes, and he caused us all manner of problems all day, almost to the point we couldn't handle him. Um, against Livingston, eh, sorry, against uh, us at the Tony Macaroni in opening day, it was clear that noble had targeted Suter, Um and then Goldson tried to kind of switch with Suter to, to obviously um, help him out a wee bit. And even Goldson struggled um, to some extent. against guess eyebrows working through that defensive crisis there. So obviously um, he was going to take full advantage of that, which he did do. Uh, now getting into this game where we've got a settled back form and certainly a settled central defensive partnership in Davis and Goldson, do you expect them to deal with him a lot more um, effectively than we have on the previous two occasions? Is it a case of just keep one man on him at all times and let the other just say, um, I, I would actually put Goldson on the Blade and let Davis do all the kind of sweeping and passing about because I don't think... I don't think Davis is the type of defender that would be able to handle a player like Nobly. Um And that is a concern. I do like Davis a lot, but I think the physical aspect of the game is not his bag, if you will. He's not, For me, he's not aggressive enough. I think his uh, capabilities and his strong points are everything that Goldson isn't. So what I mean by that is, is they complement each other. Um, and Goldson will do the aggressive kind of uh, duels with big Strong defenders, but I just look back at the Dundee United game at Tannadice, and Ben Davis really, really struggled against Stephen Fletcher. Um And Stephen Fletcher, he, he's he's on his career trajectory; he's on the way out. You know, he's ready to retire. Whereas Joe Nubly is at the absolute peak; he's power, and he's a very powerful, powerful man, as we have seen. So for me, it's Golden has to pick him up, and Davis can do the kind of. Um, putting the ball into midfield, picking the passes, sweeping up everything that goes over Noobly and Goldson. Um And I think that has to be the game plan. I would be very concerned if it was Davis that was the one picking up Noobly. Do you share those concerns or have I just had a complete oversight here?
1: No, I don't think you've had an oversight at all. In the first game, you're absolutely right. The first game we played over there at Livingston, they were, he was the best player in the park. He, he caused us <laughs> absolute mayhem. Uh, all all day, John Souter just could not deal with him at all. It was, I don't know if that was something to do with John Souter's injury or whatever, but he had an absolutely torrid time, uh, you know, from the big chap. Listen, he, he's a decent big player. There's no getting away from it. He's six four. He's he's he, as you say, he's a big strong lad, and. Um, the only issue I have with it is, you know, having looked into the boy a but, bit, you know, previously, because he has done so well against us, he started at Chelsea, which I didn't realise until I read up on him. Uh, as, a, as a young kid, he started there, but he's ended up down in the National League, down there, the fifth tier, for years Um uh, and he's come up here and David Martin Martindale does this over and over and over again. I don't, I genuinely don't know how he does it because uh, a number of managers over the years have managed to, you know, to find players from th- those lower leagues. But none of them have had a hit rate like Martindale. I remember Terry Butcher was probably the first, uh, I think he was at Motherwell at the time. It might have been Inverness uh, where he did this, where he, he, picked, he built his team from the lower leagues in England or his squad. Uh so he'd an element of Scottish players and he would bring boys from, up, from down there up and they would always do quite well. But Martindale does tremendously well with it. But to get back to your point about uh well will Davis or go Davis or Gold and Golson pick him up, um I think they might actually do pretty similar to what they did to with Fletcher where they realised, you know, let him have the ball. But keep him thirty five forty 40 yards for your goal if, if and and deal with him from there. Uh, once he gets in and about the box, he, he's he's going to give you an absolute nightmare because he is such a strong boy. Uh, I'm just hoping that, to be honest, we have uh, a huge amount of ball, similar to Eddie. I'm actually expecting us to turn up and play quite well over there, particularly after um, the last couple of dodgy performances, if you want to call it that. Good results, good wins, but I, I do think that we have to win that midfield first, oddly, and then I think you're taking a huge element of Nubly, you know, strength out of out of their game, if you understand, just by being the, the totally dominant team, which I don't think we've actually been in either game against them. You know, we might have had a lot more of the ball, but when they've had it, they've done quite well against us in the last couple of games. So that's my kind of take on it, Chris, to be honest. Yeah, well, if we we'll, if we we'll look at our record
0: of day, um at the Tony Macaroni you know, it's it's one of those ones where in people's mind it's maybe not as good as we actually realise that it is because. Since we get beat there under Gerard, where well, Dolly Menga of all people scored the winning goal, we've had one 0 0 draw um, against them, which was at the very start of the 55 season. But we've won all our games at the Tony Macaroni. Um, and in actual fact, David Martindale has not beat Rangers. So we do have that on side. We are. The kind of form team in Scotland along with Celtic obviously. Thirteen undefeated, thirteen or fourteen undefeated. Um Michael Beale has obviously been a fantastic record. Performances aren't quite there consistently yet, but everything is really in our favour to to get the, the the three points.
2: Well, it was until you just pointed all that out. I think I preferred thinking that we uh, we struggle when we go there. <laughs> You've said that that uh, we have usually win in the Martindale hasn't actually beaten us. You've you've actually flipped me from having zero concern at all to now I'm a little bit nervous. If I'm perfectly honest with you, <laughs>
0: there you go, job done. now. <laughs> um, nah, it's it's this one of those I get I get the 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 arrogant element of it, but we, we are Rangers and they are Livingston, and, and you know it's I don't want the players thinking this, obviously, because I think that's what happened at the weekend against. Partick turned up. We are Rangers of Partick Fassili. We will win this game. There obviously has to be a huge element of application and and, and correct attitude. Uh, but the I suppose what I'm saying is the only way that Livingston will take any points off as well as a draw or a defeat is if Rangers are complicit and and doing so.
2: Yeah, no, no you're absolutely right. Um, like I said earlier, we should be beating them every day of the week. And the only thing that realistically will stop us from winning that game is if we don't play to our ability. And like you say, that's just going to be down to the attitude of the players when they go out in that pitch. But I, I genuinely think with that little bit of injection of signings with um, Cantwell and Raskin, I think that's brought about a rejuvenated squad. And I think it's put a bit of fight back into the team. Whereas, okay, Park Fistle isn't the best example, but like before the January transfer window, I, I think there was a bit of uh, apathy. It's slipped into the the team and they just, I don't know, we're almost just going through the motions every week. Whereas now I, I think there's a bit of excitement about the club again and Beal coming back will have helped. Um, and we just seem, I don't know, it just seems more Rangers than it has for a few months um, this year towards the end of last, like 2022. Um, it, ju- it just, there seems to be more of a buzz about the, the place, even if the performances sometimes are not quite to the standard we'd be hoping. Uh, like I say, I've got no kind of concerns about that i think they'll come in in time and the important thing for me just now is building up that winning mentality going into games and grinding out results where we need to and putting in performances where we can absolutely
0: um we have quite a significant amount of any other business uh, to take care of so let's just move on to that uh, because with all due respect, I don't think there's much more analysis we can do on Livingston. We know it's going to be a tough game. We know it's going to be a tough venue. We know what to expect. We know Livingston are having a good season domestically. We know our performances haven't been great, but we're still obviously winning. Um, and we've covered everything that we've had to so in there. So in terms of any other Rangers business here, I've, I've, I've actually quite a, a few things to discuss. Um We'll start off with the kind of, um, one comment, answers. First thing, John Lundstrom's injury is not as serious as first feared. And Michael Beale said he should be back for the cup final. Um, Kenny, i hmm, trying not to be too harsh, but I don't know if that's a positive or a negative.
1: Oh, it's a positive. Of course it's a positive. The, the more players we have to okay. choose from, the better. Say, say, say it like to me
0: why it's a positive. Why, why should Lundstrom come back for the cup final? and potentially strengthen it out, starting 11.
1: Well, I don't think there's any guarantee that he's going to start, Chris, but I, I think the, the option is there. He's done, he has done reasonably well against Celtic as well. Um, can I just uh, say something about, uh, just to finish off uh, on Livingston, if you like, all these players on Saturday are playing for those, those, those places uh, for next Sunday. So yeah. that's why I expect a big performance. And uh well, certainly hope that we get a big performance. But back to Lundström, I, I, listen, he's a good player. I, I know you're not convinced by him this season, and I understand why he's not had the greatest of seasons. Um, and I'm not convinced he will start, having been out for a couple of weeks anyway in the cup final. But if you're asking me if I would start with him or Kamara in a cup final, I'd probably be more inclined to go with, with John Lundström, to be honest. Uh, Kamara bar the the hearts game has had an absolutely shocking season. He really has. Uh, and that's even compared them to John Lundstrom's season. Uh, to be honest, I just hope that um, he is fully fit. I, I would actually hope that he makes the squad for uh, Saturday, to be honest. Um, am I going to convince you though? No, I doubt it. To be honest, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be able to do that because I know how you feel about him at the minute.
0: I think the only person that can really convince me is John Lundstrom himself. And, um, I hope it does, obviously, because that means that we're in a good place. and He's had a good performance, or a good, uh, a good run of form. Uh, but I just, as um, you say, I think that the 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 nicest way that you put that is, I'm just, I'm just not convinced at all. Um, but obviously, I caveat that by the fact that uh, he he has stated himself that he has he has been carrying an injury this season, and and maybe that is the reason why. But uh, I would just rather, just like Tav, for example, if you're carrying an injury. Take the time out because I think you're just more of a burden to us with the injury than you than than being out of the team. I think I'd rather have a lesser player that's fully fit than a than an injured player who's clearly playing through the pain barrier and it's affecting their performances. But um, you I know, totally th- agree with that.
2: This this, this couple. Of I minutes, think I think he's probably listened to the podcast though and heard you slating Kemar Roof. So he thought, well, I better go out there. Advice Chris will be on here slagging me off for being injured. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you saying John Lundstrom's skill him, me, Eddie? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's a good comeback, fair play. But uh, I, just on Lundstrom, I'd, I get what you're saying, and he has had a bad season. But I think a fit John Lundstrom is always going to be a bonus because it doesn't mean he's got to play. If he's back and he's fit, the only way he's getting into the team is if he's playing well now. I think previously when he's been carrying this injury, he's kind of had to play through it because we haven't had the options. There's been no other option other than really Kamara, who Kenny said was having an even worse season. Now we've got options there and uh, an underperforming John Lundstrom isn't getting into that starting lineup. So a fit John Lundstrom is a bonus because it means he's available if he's playing well. And if he's not playing well, then he sits on the bench. Yeah, no, that's,
1: that's what I would say as well is that if you, I don't know if either of you guys were at the game on Sunday, but Raskin and uh, Kamara didn't particularly work very well. Although Raskin was excellent, uh, they didn't dovetail particularly well. So I would like to see Lundstrom and Raskin and Jack and Raskin um, and, you know, see how that, you know, what combination works best. Because the, as Eddie said, the boy Raskin looks as if he's he's the future for us I think actually yeah no, I agree with
0: that Eddie the SFA got the memo um, the the conspiracy worked this time Rangers were given a home draw in the quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup to Ray Rovers and Celtic were given an away draw um, a, a way to to hearts at thinker yeah. so, so maybe there is something in this after all. Maybe the balls are um a wee bit hot for for Rangers and the lesser teams, and then ice cold for probably the hardest uh, fixture you can have out with Rangers at Ibrox for for the other team. So maybe we're the ones that are looking pretty foolish at the moment.
2: Yeah, we got we got a nice draw. Let's not be too disrespectful to to Rafe, but you know it's it's a fairly. What you, should, what you would expect should be a fairly comfortable draw. Can, I just, and, uh, can I just interject? Mm-hmm. We are recording this on the
0: 15th of February, so that's one day after Valentine's Day. Now, we all know what happened on Valentine's Day 11 years ago, and Rafe Rovers were one of the clubs that tried to get us completely um, kicked out of Scottish football altogether, uh, including the, the the law leagues. So um, I would actually say to that, um,
2: full disrespect, fill your boots are the fucking <laughs> i prefer to conduct myself oh, um, I want in, golf a, golf. in a different manner to Rafe rovers brown and Peels. maybe privately but publicly i'll uh i'll continue to show a tiny bit of respect and just say it was certainly a favorable draw as i'm just checking because obviously I'm, I'm just back from being away for the weekend has the the actual day like the the Fixture being announced, what day and what time it is? Uh, well, that's that's a very good question. Actually. No, not yeah, I don't yeah, think. I didn't, no. didn't think so. I'm fully expecting this to be like an eight o'clock on the Friday type <laughs> of kickoff, just so that I can't go. because yeah. that, that I that's what usually happens in these kind of a cup games. It'll be a stupid five o'clock, uh, eight o'clock Friday, or a four o'clock on a Sunday. Just I think make
1: it'll be the Sunday,
2: I know Hearts have to play on the Saturday because of the um, yeah, rugby's on, isn't Six it? Nations eye, I, but I, I just remember there's been a couple of Cup games where it's been on the Friday night and I've not been able to go, well, um, so I'm fully anticipating that.
0: One thing that we should talk about, Kenny, is Michael B was part of a coaching staff who had an absolutely abysmal record in National Cups. They got to... Was it one semi final in the League Cup where we, we lost, and we got to one final in the League Cup which we, we lost as well? And the furthest that Gerard got with Michael Beale as his coach was the quarter final in the Scottish Cup. We never got past the quarter final. This is a real chance to get a psychological monkey off the back for Michael Beale. I know Michael Beale wasn't fully responsible for, for the the very, very poor um, record that, that that we clearly did have under Gerard, but he was part of it. So this is a great chance for him to kind of get that off his back. Nobody can accuse him of it. Getting to a Scottish Cup semi-final, a very favourable tie, as Eddie said. Um, and, you know, I, I understand the decorum that Eddie's shown and you not know, being disrespectful, but
1: um, he's not going to have a better opportunity to get into a Scottish Cup semi-final, is he? No, he is not. Um, but in saying that, they're sitting there Kind of very similar to Patrick Thistle, and they've seen how we all seen how hard they made it for us, didn't they? Um, it was Turnbull Hutton more than the club itself, by the way, that um, stuck the boot in, into us. He was the one that was uh, he was their chairman, their owner, or whatever. Uh, he's long since deceased now, so yeah. But um, look, Michael Beal as we've alluded to many times on this podcast, he's got two trophies to try and win this season uh, and just keep winning the league and see where it brings us. Uh, this is a perfect opportunity to get yourself back to Hamden uh, and with uh, the the sheer amount of, of teams that have been knocked, you know, Premier League teams that have been knocked out uh, already and with Celtic being drawn away to Tynecastle, we really have to target the Scottish Cup. We've got a final next week, you know, 10 days, 12 days, whatever it is. Uh, and we've got a Scottish cup where we've got a great opportunity to get ourselves back to Hamden. Um, we should be targeting this trophy, Chris. Yeah. And Michael Beal has to make sure that those players are up for it um in March when that cup tie comes, because it's a, it's a great opportunity for yeah. us. It really is. Yeah. Uh
0: one last thing, uh, one last talking point to come to before I come to the two kind of big uh, talking points is Malik Tolman gave an interview um, to Kicker in Germany. Um, a few things to take from that. He obviously, I'm going to say he criticised Gio, but he said there was a contrast in, um, a, a contrast in the, the, the style of play from Gio to Beo. He says Gio was kind of more defensive, and he also said that the game against Aj- Ajax in um, the Amsterdam Arena really. Knocked our confidence, getting into all the other Champions League games, so that had kind of an adverse effect. Under Bill, he's been given a kind of more free reign, more um, put in his more natural position where his output has just obviously been uh, quite phenomenal, really, since Bill arrived. Um, and if you remember, uh, Gio was putting Tillman outright, which just is not his position at all. Uh, he also mentioned that it's really up to to Bayern Munich, what they want to do. There was no commitment there that he he, he definitely wants to stay. So that kind of makes me a wee bit worried. I mean, I've done a whole 360 on Tillman and I have to say that is down to Bill Under Gio, I just couldn't see it. And then Bill has completely turned him around. I don't think he's clear Rangers under Gio was so bad. um, and, and, And in any respect, I thought it was decent. I didn't think it was £5 million off. Now he's shown me that... Not only is he worth £5 million, he's probably worth um, multiple amounts of that £5 million now. And I definitely would keep him. So I think Michael beale has been very good for Malik Tillman. And Eddie, and, and Malik Tillman is, is pretty much saying so. Um, so a comment on that, Eddie. But also, are you worried that this isn't as a foregone conclusion as maybe many of us think in terms of Tillman staying?
2: I like Malik Tillman um, a lot. And I've said from the start, we should be paying the 5 million. Even even under Gio, I would have paid it because he's the kind of player that I can see you're making a flip on. You'll not have a great game every week. He's one of those that you'll have magic moments and then you'll occasionally drift out of games or make mistakes. But it's because he's always looking to do something positive that he makes mistakes. He'll take chances that perhaps lesser players don't take. And sometimes it pays off uh, amazingly. And... A lot of the time it won't, but at least he's trying. It's so I, I always would have paid the five million because I genuinely think even if you pay the five million this season, you could flip him six months down the line, a la boom song, for a massive profit. Um, but I hope we manage to keep him for a few years and develop him and, and make a, a really really big profit. But you're right, since Beals come in, he's he's really stepped up massively. Um, I think those kind of not being in the game mo- moments are. are fewer and fewer compared to when he was playing with um for geo and that's not me trying to criticize Gio. I just think the style of play that we have now um and the understanding that Beale has tactically is just completely different and um it's obviously suited tillman a lot more regards to whether it's a foregone conclusion or not i don't think anything's ever a foregone conclusion until i actually see confirmation from the club that it's happened uh, too many times in the past we've thought things are gonna happen and then they haven't, so now I just hold off. But personally I think he'll end up at Rangers. Um I, I kinda of see any scenario where we're not willing to pay the fee if it's the five million that's been quoted. Um I've seen some places quote less even. Um so I kinda of see any situation where we won't pay that fee, in which case it comes down to just Malik Tillman's decision on whether he wants to, to stay or not. And I think come a full season at the club he'll want to stay. I think he's enjoying his football. He's enjoying being in the first team week in, week out. And yes, it, it, Bayern Munich is a massive, massive club, but I think he probably understands that it's unlikely that at this stage in his career he'll be a regular first-teamer for Bayern. And they've got a buyback clause in that deal apparently anyway. So for him, it's probably just it's more of an extension of a loan, but in the same way with Ryan Kent, where it can be a home for him and he can come and he can develop. And then if things go well, he can move on to bigger and better like bigger and kind of better leagues and make a bigger name for him on the international stage. But that important first step is getting into a, a regular first team with a club that other teams are watching and you know, our league might not be all that it's cut out to be, but Rangers is a name in, in football. And if he's putting in impressive displays for us, especially in Europe, then he'll get that move to a bigger league. And um, so I, personally I think he'll end up signing.
0: Here's hoping, mate. Here's hoping staying on Malik Tillman, uh, Kenny. Obviously, just a wee comment um, or two about the backlash to the controversy on uh, Sunday at Partick Fissile. It's still raging on. I mean, um, it's just getting silly now to be honest with you. Uh, we'll, we've now moved on to Alan McGregor's the prick, he's the villain here. Um, Talk Sport and Charlie Nicholas have, have commented on that. Uh, I say Talk Sport, obviously, more specifically, Alan, Alan Brazil, and um, we all know where his allegiances lie. Um, so D- it's just a clear agenda really uh, you know, it's we've done the right thing in my opinion, it's done with now, there was no consequences from it, Malik Tillman isn't branded um, this really nasty horrible little cheat which we all know he would have been branded if, if the goal wasn't given, the, the Patrick Thistle goal um, I was racking my brains for ages and ages and ages since, since Sunday to think of something that I could come back to if to people who were criticising Michael Beale, and you had the, the the comments, would Walter Smith have done this? Would Graham Souness have done this? Uh, Bill Struth, all this kind of stuff. And I was just thinking, like, right, I think Walter would have done it. I think Souness would have done it. I obviously can't comment on Bill Struth. Of course I can't. But it's just like, I need something to kind of back me up here. And David, David Edgar from Heart and Hand came up with an absolute belter, um, which pretty much closes this argument for me now which was the game against hearts at ibrox where hearts went down to seven men and walter and richard goff instructed the team to just stop scoring goals um, and in actual fact you see there's a very famous clip of richard Gough going off his head after the third or the fourth red card um, for hearts um, and that to me pretty much shows you that we are a club built on standards we are a club built on integrity and um, we don't need a contentious goal to beat a team like Partick Thistle um, and it was contentious you know it's not that I don't agree with what Tillman done I understand Tillman just was not aware but uh, that doesn't excuse the fact that it sh- the goal should have remained and, and and we should have had the advantage from that clearly the team stopped um, and clearly Partick Thistle were going to give us the ball back regardless of how bad the touch was or the touches were from the, the Partick Thistle player. Um, it was an honest, genuine error which was rectified and I would rather my club conducted themselves in that way rather than, than taking a goal like that uh, to, to, to win a game. However, such as the the fickle nature of being a Rangers fan, if we get a goal like that on Sunday to win the cup final next Sunday and we don't give the, the, the goal back to Celtic, then I'm absolutely in support of that because I think context is important here. Um, Livingston, eh, sorry, Partick fissile are not Celtic and it goes back to the point and I get this is completely contradictory to what I'm saying but uh, the, the context is important we don't need a goal like that to beat Partick Thistle I'm not saying we're going to need a goal like that to beat Celtic but you know it's not a level playing field when it's Rangers and Partick Thistle and we certainly shouldn't be taking advantage of our situation which doesn't need to be taken advantage of um but As I said the contradictory element of that is I wouldn't support us doing it against Celtic purely because it is Celtic and 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 I I wouldn't want that but in terms of this I get that's a hypothetical but in terms of what actually happened the right thing was done for me Tillman I wouldn't say was in the wrong I would say he was confused Um, Michael Beale rectified it and the argument would Walter have done this blah, blah blah that goes to bed now because of the example that David had in heart and hand are you in line with any of that or, or do you disagree with what happened um are you pissed off about the narrative now that ranger's done such a good thing that gets viewed worldwide because it has and again this is another point it's so unique this that we will probably never see a, 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 another thing like this ever happen again we might but the likelihood is we won't um so i don't understand the the anger really that oh, we can't do this, we can't do this, and why, why are we doing this and stuff? It's such a unique one-off um, situation that you know we don't have to ever worry about it happening again because I don't think it will. So wh- where do you stand on it all?
1: Um, well, let me make myself abundantly clear. I couldn't give two shits what Charlie Nicholas or Alan Brazil think for a start. Uh, I couldn't care less what the rest of Scottish football thinks. If we had... Taking the goal and taking the criticism it wouldn't have bothered me the slightest, I've got to be honest. Uh, did we do the right thing? Yes. Did Michael Beal do the right thing for his player and his team? Yes. Uh, was it a sportsman-like thing to do? Yeah, probably. Um, but I do actually tend to agree uh, having listened to Michael Beal at the time on what his intentions were or his reasoning was if you understand, that he realised that at Scotland Rangers are hated the country over, uh, and he knew full well that this would be probably front page headlines, never mind back page. And the poor kid's 20, coming from Germany, uh, made a mistake um, because I think the Patrick Thistle player, for all his uh, for all of his inabilities, if you want to call it that, to trap a ball and punt it up a park, uh, did have the intention of. You know, putting it back to the keeper. But what they did do, Patrick Thistle, which is that kind of little cute thing that the teams do all the time, is that's what he's doing. He's waiting for all his uh, forward-minded players to start pressing our players before he does it, so that there's a that there's a hope perhaps that we end up, you know, putting out the park 30, 35 yards for our goal, and they get the ball. Do you know what I mean by that? And that's that's my that's my concern that um we are we are now a, a club and have been for so long now that has to concern ourselves with what other people think about us. Uh that the majority of us um supporters, uh employees I think the lot don't care anymore what anybody else thinks about us. We genuinely don't we're not interested in what a Celtic fan or a a Celtic, uh, or an ex-Celtic player making a hundred quid on a quick five minute interview that gets packed on the daily whatever star or whatever it is he uh, he's, a, he's an irrelevance to me but uh, the thing that I would say is that about it all is that in the interview and in kicker, Malik Tillman actually makes a great point, uh, that has been utterly uh, ignored by our media and that's that's the situation that concerns me most, is that one player get booked and it was Borna Barisic, I believe. You watch their reaction. Yeah. They're lobbing it with the ground, mate. They're almost punching his face. It's, it's ridiculous.
0: It's, yeah. No, it's, it's
1: absolutely it's, ridiculous the way they, they behave. It's the and, one
0: that really pissed me off about it was that, look, I get you're angry, right, because of the way and the manner the goal scored. Right, I understand that, right, but... That melee and, that, and it was a melee, right? There was about five or 6 party Fossil players surrounding Malik Tillman as mm-hmm. he's on the ground because he was pushed onto the ground. Now, this is completely, uh, you know, that, that I'm going over the top here ever so slightly. But Kenny, I do that to you in the street in front of a police officer. I'm getting done.
1: Now, Absolutely. That, I, none that, of them get booked.
0: Yeah, none yeah. of
1: them. That, <laughs> it's, it's incredible,
0: actually. That happened right in front of the referee where the goalkeeper with his two hands pushes Malik Tillman to the floor and then you can see the the anger in the faces, especially of Kevin Holt, the, the party captain, shouting right in his face. You can see Tillman's just like, what the fuck? I've just scored a goal. What, what's the problem here? Borna Barisic gets right in amongst everybody, tries to get the away for Tillman. I, I, I see no infringement that deserved a booking from, from Borna Barisic. Certainly don't see an infringement that is worse than what the keeper done to Tillman, and yet Barisic was the one who was booked. And I think Kenny just to catch you, I think I think a party fistle player was actually booked as well. Um within it. I think it might I have never been.
1: noticed. I never noticed that. I see all I seen was I'm booking Borna and I thought, you're having a laugh.
0: Yeah, but the, the main point here is the party fistle player that you booked, nothing's come to mind here what he done wrong in actual fact. Certainly I can't think of anything that Barisic's done wrong, but the goalkeeper. The goat uh-huh. put his two hands on Malik Tillman and flung him to the floor.
1: He literally throws him it, to the floor, Chris. Uh-huh.
0: Nothing has happened. And you're just like, What you know, I just don't understand that. And then the, the the thing that is missed entirely by everyone except Rangers fans is the boy who stamped on Tillman to to start this whole scenario should have been sent off. Yes. That's a stamp. And th- that's why Tillman was injured. That's why he was down. That's why the ball went out. Tillman was receiving treatment. He didn't know anything that had happened. That was not um, refereed correctly. And, and this is it. The referees are actively not refereeing the game according to the laws of the game. And, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm I'm totally baffled how Borna Barisic was one of the ones to be booked in that whole situation when 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 one of our players had just been assaulted. I don't get twice, by the way. Because the stamp was an assault. The, push the, the, the push.
1: stamp is a straight red card. Yeah. Why it's not been? Listen, the, the, these VAR, these VAR officials uh, are um, supposed to be watching this game, okay? And it's it's quite clear, it's quite blatant. He actually moves his leg to the position where the boy's ankle is. Yeah. He actually goes out of his way to stamp on his ankle. Now, if that's not a red card, I'd. I have no idea what is anymore. It's a it's a clear red card, uh, and this is what I'm saying. This is where I actually think, uh, and I know a lot of Rangers fans will perhaps disagree with this, and we're all entitled to an opinion. But I think Michael Beale has should be lauded for this actually because he's taken the the heat right out of the entire situation. Uh, he's taken a, a, perhaps a week of bad press out of the equation as well uh, and to be honest my, my I think he's probably done the right thing to do, you know, it is the right thing to do uh, because it is a genuine error and mistake from from the kid Tillman, but do I care what the rest of Scottish football think? No, I don't, so if we had just carried on to hang with a lot of them mate, I, I honestly, I just find the whole situation, a storm and a, a teacup and we're the bad guys no matter what happens so yeah, do you know what I mean I, I'm just kind of fed up with it uh, already and the boy does nothing wrong he makes a mistake our manager does nothing wrong he he, he makes the right call and that should be the end of it but no yeah, we've,
0: and and yet there's,
1: there's still uproar um,
0: it, it's that's just, what I mean yeah it's I, I totally get what you've seen Eddie you get any comments you want to make towards the, the, the whole thing or before we put it to bed and never discuss it again
2: Nah, not really. I agree with everything you've both said. I think, uh, yeah, Tillman made a, a mistake. Beal righted the wrong. And rightly so, the rest of the world are kind of seeing the story play out because it is like a, a kind of strange occurrence. But seeing that actually Beale made the right decision and, and giving him credit for that. And then you've got idiots like Alan Brazil trying to turn it around on McGregor. I mean, Let's be honest, why is Alan Brazil even still on the radio? How is he relevant in 2023? Who yeah. cares what that boiled cabbage has got to say? Yeah,
1: no, no fair enough. Well said.
2: Final,
0: final talking point um, before we sign off As Dave King has withdrawn from his agreement with Club 1872 to sell his shares. He said they give him a two-year window and he was... Prepared to extend that by another year. He said he looked at it and he said if he extended it even by two, three years, it still wouldn't be viable, which suggests that the uptake from the legacy scheme from Club 1872 was not um as successful as they hoped. And he said one of the reasons for that was that Rangers fans, it seems, want to personally own the shares. They don't want to fund an organisation, um, obviously, to buy shares from Dave King and then they, they effectively have no say in what that organisation does. So I don't think that's a complete surprise. I think £15 million off of shares and asking the Rangers fans to dig deep for that on top of everything that Rangers themselves ask us to dig deep for um, is not sustainable. Um, I think it was pie in the sky anyway when it was first announced. Um, Dave King's now in a position where what does he do? He's clearly not wanted by the Rangers board. He... There is mutterings from, from from King that he does want some involvement and I think in order that to happen, I think bridges have to be built, but I think both sides are not prepared to do that. So King now, for me, is just going to play the act of the nuisance and he'll vote everything down because he did say he still will vote. He will use his shareholder privilege to vote in A- upcoming AGMs or even if there's any extraordinary general meetings. Um, so he's sort of kind of left in limbo where he's got shares that buy the... By the gear are, are, are being diluted because rangers are still issuing new shares so obviously that means that his shares dilute and and they're not worth as much as what he once paid perhaps uh so where do we really go from here i think there's two aspects of it what the 1872 need to do what does dave king need to do i think 1872 for me right this is I'm, i've never been a fan of 1872 because i'll tell you why i like the ideal. of course i like the ideal. The never again stuff that Dave King come out with, that kind of campaign. Of course that has to be at the forefront of every Rangers fan's I mind. Mean, but we don't have a Charles Green, we don't have a Craig White, we don't have a Stockbridge, we don't have an Imran Ahmed, we don't have uh, David Summers, we don't have a Mike Ashley involved anymore. We have genuine Rangers men on board and, and, and And I'm their harshest critic in many ways. I think they do a lot of things wrong, but I don't think they'll ever shaft us. I really don't. Um, not in the, con- the, the, the conventional way where they'll put us under, uh, or put us in administration, or they'll, they'll steal from us, like the, the other shysters did in the past. So we don't need to worry about the current board in that respect. There's many things we do need to worry about with the current board, but certainly not that. So, Club 1872, for me, it's the same faces that you have seen for the last 15, 20 years. Same people who are only in it for themselves. I will not name names, but everybody will know who I'm talking about. It's just complete ego-driven bullshit, whereas what we need from Club 1872 is an independent body who have got the best interest for Rangers and Rangers only. Now, I have no doubt that Club 1872 have the best interest for Rangers, but they also have the best interest for themselves. Now, I've seen a lot of people being appointed to the board at Club 1872. I see a lot of people given jobs for uh, for Club 1872. And as I say, it's just the same names that you've seen over the last two decades. And you're just like, One, just go away. Seriously, just go away. I want to see fresh faces that, that people have actually got a plan here instead of you just know that these guys just want to wear the suit and the tie and in the director's box and look at me and that's not what club 1872 should be about and that very much is what it's about there is no relationship with the club and that goes both ways by the way the club need to buck up their ideas with that, and club 1872 need to buck up their ideas with a tour on this childish stand uh, standstill which benefits no one club 1872 are be the voice of the fans and they're not They're the voice of Club 1872 and the people within it. They've got their own agendas. They don't have the agendas of the fans. The the board, obviously, they either see that or they don't, but they've got their own agendas where they're trying to protect themselves rather than the club. Both of them should be working in a a harmonious um, situation. So Club 1872 have got a lot of thinking to do and they've got a lot of restructuring to do before I would ever, ever even think about ploughing a single penny into them. Dave King, where does he go from here? I really, really don't know. I think if he's desperate to get out, if he's desperate to sell his shares, they should offer it to Bennett, Park, um, Gibson. Current shareholders should be given the option to buy those shares. Now, I understand by buying Dave King shares, that money doesn't directly go to Rangers. That money directly goes to Dave King. That's fine by me because Dave King put his money where his mouth was for Rangers. And Dave King, for all his faults, and he has many of them, he was one of the only reasons that Rangers fans could go to sleep at night. During those very dark times, because we knew that he was taking the fight to these fucking assholes, um, if you excuse my language, because that's what they are. So I would never openly criticise Dave King for the sake of criticising him. I would criticise some of his decisions and some of his sound bites, but I certainly wouldn't criticise the man just for the sake of doing so. So I think he needs to have a right, wrong, wrong think about this. If he wants any involvement in Rangers, he needs to start building bridges. If he wants to offer his shareholding to the current shareholders. Don't be a nuisance, don't annoy us. We all know that before this cup final on Sunday next Sunday, we all know Dave King's going to come out with something, but it's just what Dave King does. It. And they're just like, Dave, come on, mate, you're a Rangers fan. We know you are, we know you love the club, we know you hate the people in there, but like, just stop giving people ammunition. And there needs to be a rebuild there of the relationship or he needs out completely. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Eddie, how do you see it playing out? What do you think is the best... Um, solution here, and do you see a way back for Dave King, if he
2: wanted it? I feel like you've thrown me under the bus here, the amount of criticism I've taken previously when speaking about Dave King and the board Um, but in all seriousness, I think you're, you're probably right he needs to make a decision, he even need, either wants to be involved with Rangers or he doesn't and if he wants to be involved there's a lot of bridges needed to be mended there, he's going to have to swallow a little bit of pride from both um, sides yeah both. yeah absolutely but uh, I think he's going to have to be the one pursuing it. At the the current board have no kind of real need to be the ones to take that first step. It's going to have to be him if he wants to get back involved or if he doesn't rightly so he just needs to sell and, and move on and go back to just being a fan. Um easier said than done because if he does want to sell and he is currently at loggerheads with the current board who else out there is going to be available to buy the shares as we've seen the The whole sell to the fans situation is a lot more difficult than perhaps he first anticipated because Club 1872 was always going to be a difficult sell just because of the lack of transparency with them. They can be a little bit smoke and mirrors at times. And I like, like like you mentioned, I like the the campaign to put the club back in the hands of the fans. But in all honesty, would I invest in Club 1872 to do it? No, I wouldn't, because if I'm going to invest, I want to be having a say myself and it doesn't seem like the way that that's set up that that's a possibility now that's not to say i'm expecting to be making big decisions around him but you know it just seems that the club 1872 setup is designed for kind of four or five people to make all the decisions so it's not really an appealing investment um and as we've seen it didn't work and more people kind of bought when the the club ran their own kind of sell to the fan system so he's either gonna have to find a, a good investor and i trust him if he does decide to go down that route i trust him to pick someone with the club's best intentions at heart because i don't see him as the kind of person who would put the club back at jeopardy after everything he fought to get the club back and and put it back on the right path i don't see him spiting people that way and so he's got a difficult decision to make either swallows a bit of pride and takes the first step forward to repair that relationship with the current board or he has to go out and find a suitable investor You're right, what I don't want is ridiculous sound bites and kind of stupid comments before big games to kind of take the focus on him. Uh, That doesn't help anyone. No, Kenny, what do you take of all?
1: Where do I start? I don't agree with much of what you said at all, Chris. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, No, no, honestly, I'm not... I I, just know... Listen, way back years ago, I just know far too much about it Um, uh, that I won't reveal on here, obviously. But... um, Uh, The arrogance of Dave King to suggest uh, uh, even way back when this originally started that the the, uh, the, the Rangers fans would spend 13 point whatever million quid on buying his shares when not a single penny of it would uh, be to the betterment of Rangers Football Club. That's astounding, right? That he thought that might work. Right, three years, uh, over four million quid a year that Rangers fans were going to put in to his pocket so that shadow directors and, uh, as you say, the same nameless, faceless people will have a say in Rangers for the next whatever, 25 years or whatever, is nothing short of arrogance, Chris. It's ridiculous to think that Rangers fans would actually say, yeah, okay, that'll work. We'll go with that. Um, I don't like that. Uh, and let's make, let's not kid ourselves on about this. Club 1872, uh, and I'm going to watch my words because I'm not a fan, but I'm going to be respectful. Uh, but it's been a complete and abject failure uh, for a number of years now. Uh, when you're putting certain elements of the range of support on a board to try and uh, garner uh, support, you know you're a, you know you're at a loose end. You know you're you're failing dras- badly and drastically. Um, the the context of the whole thing has left a, a really bad kind of taste in my mouth uh, over the, the the last number of years. Uh, fan ownership is. A, an utter non-starter for Rangers. It, 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 simply because we're going down a, a route that isn't like a Bayern Munich or a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or whatever you, you know a huge club should do. We're going about it by putting uh, incompetence in place to get that twenty-five percent plus one share, uh, and it isn't <laughs> that. Isn't going to work. Because there's too many people within our support that know far too much about particular individuals to ever ever think that that is an idea. Um, I, I don't. As I say, I don't want to be disrespectful to Dave, Dave King. I know a lot of people like him. I'm not. I never have been a, a particular fan. Um, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Club 1872. Believe it or not, I was part of a. Uh, a ranger supporters group before that went and bought shares and all the rest of it as well uh, not to the same extent not to the same level but we did uh, and it's to that's to be lauded to have some kind of fan ownership but i find the whole thing uh exactly what i will say i'll, I'll, I'll digress very slightly what you have just said is there is nothing surer that dave king will Pipe up and hark on about something utterly, utterly, utterly irrelevant at some point when there's a big game coming up. uh, He'll have a dig at our board. He couldn't help himself with his five or six reasons what it is, whatever it was, of why it's not happening anymore. Uh, He couldn't help himself having a wee dig at the board for, for not getting on with Club 1872. It was the board's fault, if you actually read it the way he's put it, It isn't, it categorically is not this board's fault. What is, you know, the deterioration of the relationship between Club 1872 and our, you know, football club's board is down solely to Club 1872. Make no mistake about that, it is. uh, And to be honest, uh, it was never going to work from the minute they, th- this agreement was put in place it was never going to work because Club 1872 is to be frank, not trusted by the majority of the Ranger supporters, that's the bottom line uh, and Dave King is so far out of touch with the Ranger supporters, the, the, the rank and file Ranger supporters I'm talking about, that he fails to see that, he thinks those people, those shadow directors and those people that uh, appear every now and again to tell everybody else what's what are the people that are true ranger supporters when they simply aren't so i i'm going to be perfectly blunt and leave it like this i have no sympathy for him and i've no sympathy for club 1872 chris none whatsoever
0: yeah well um that that viewpoint is something that i know you're not alone in. i, I know that's shared widely by many many um rangers fans and like the whole thing is a mess. It's been a mess since start to finish. And I think now it's time to clean up. Um, whether that happens or not, that remains to be seen. But it certainly will be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of weeks and months um, ahead. So this week on Saturday 3, we will be back looking uh, back on Rangers' game against Livingston. Um, the following week, we'll be then looking ahead to the Cup final against Celtic um, on the 26th. And of course, we will be back to talk about the cup final hopefully a successful um outcome for us all um so there is a f- good few shows to be looking forward to over the next week or so um as always if you could like follow or subscribe to us on all our social media platforms are on youtube twitter instagram facebook tiktok you can get us on amazon music apple podcasts and spotify and Eddie is going to very kindly give you the email address Eddie.
2: Yeah, the email address is contact at saturday at three dot co dot uk. The three is uh, letters T H R E E, not the number. And just drop us any emails, any show suggestions, um, any criticism if you want, um, anything you'd like to see on the network. Um, we're open to any kind of ideas. And if anyone wants to come on and be a guest on any of the shows as well, just give us a shout and we'll see about that.
0: And I will add as well. If anyone can hook up Kenny for an IPTV, um, that would be
2: fantastic. Ah, uh,
1: ah, yeah, that would be lovely. <laughs> I would
2: also just like to jump in and point out here at Saturday at three, we do not condone the use of IPTV. No,
1: oh, of course we
2: don't.
0: I was that. Uh, uh, we'll just.
2: Uh, uh, we'll move just, on. I'm just. I'm just saving our, our uh, collective butts from being uh, raided by the police. Apart uh, from Kenny, because we I, know he doesn't have IPTV. I don't
1: have IPTV anyway. So- yeah it's all
2: good. Not yet, yeah. <laughs> and by the way, Eddie, you're, you're, you're pretty
0: much spot on. It's it's one of those situations. Where there's there's murderers, rapists, and all sorts of evil people in the streets. But it's the IPTV users that won't actually be raided because there is a clampdown on that, and it's just it just boggles my mind. Have there abs-
2: has actually been people raided near me. Oh, I know, I know. That's what I mean. It's just
0: madness. Have- it's absolute <laughs> madness. Um, but again, that's a that's a discussion for another day, probably not for a podcast. Um, so. All it's really left for me to do is, first of all, thank you guys. Kenny, thanks very much again, mate. Hopefully, um, I've no riled you up too much there. Not at all. all I've
1: felt this way for years, mate. I'm just getting off my chest. Thanks for having me. It was good. Enjoyed that. Cheers, Eddie. Um, Eddie, to yourself. Thanks very much, mate.
2: Aye, cheers, guys. It was uh, quite a, a good show and I'm just glad that Kenny stayed respectful when he was pointing out all the flaws with Club 1872. It was very nice of him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: what can I say? Um and of course uh thanks goes to you, the listener. Um as I say, if you could like like, sorry, subscribe or follow any of our social media platforms, the one follow, like or subscribe goes a very, very long way for us. Um, and we do appreciate it. And if you um could even share the podcast in any of your own social media platforms, that would be great as well. So thanks very much to you listening and uh, join us. Later on um, in the week, uh, sorry, early next week to discuss the Livingston game. And of course, we will be discussing the upcoming cup final against Celtic, which should be a very interesting show indeed. So join us for that as well. And thanks again for listening.